All right, well, thank you, choir. Did y'all see what they did to me up there? Judy said they were going to point at me and tell me to preach that wonderful name. I thought she was joking. They were all pointing at me. That's, that's, that's what it feels like, huh, when I'm marching around pointing at people. I appreciate that. Let's talk about the wonderful name of Jesus, the wonderful teaching of Jesus. Matthew chapter 13 is where we're going to be today. So if you would, turn there with me. And today we'll consider one of the very familiar parables of Jesus, and we won't leave uh, anything on the table because he's going to interpret that parable uh, for us. You know, it's interesting, in recent conversations I've had with uh, other pastors and and, uh, folks in our own denomination, also folks in various other places, and uh, even this weekend had a conversation with a man who's in contact with a lot of different churches across different denominations, and uh, it seems to be that the there's pretty much a common theme uh, of churches are struggling. A lot of difficulty right now. You know, uh, lots of attacks on various uh, fronts. And one of the things that I know is, as I hear the stories that are told, is there's also something uh, that's called mission drift. That is, that, that uh, over time, We can, uh, you know, have to deal with various things and and we start new initiatives and we uh, manage various programs of the church. But it's very possible over time that we lose sight of the main thing, that what it's all about. And and we're going down this road and we can just forget what we're here for and and what it's all about. I remember, and I may have told you this story, but one of the things about getting old, I don't care. Uh, (laughs) I can't remember who I tell what, but I I remember being out uh, out at the lake with my family um, as a kid and my my grandmother could not swim very well at all almost not at all Um, but she was on a one of these blow-up rafts out on a huge lake and she was just kind of rafting around you know and and uh, we were all doing our thing you know parents were up on the bank cooking us kids were throwing rocks at each other or whatever kids do and before long you see way out there you see these little hands going up and you can kind of faintly hear screams my grandmother had gotten on that raft and was looking up at the beautiful sky and just paddling along and before you know it she was way out in the lake in the boating lanes when she realized how far she had drifted from the shore and then all of a sudden panic set in that she couldn't swim and she didn't know how she'd get back and she's screaming and my aunt, who is a nurse and a really good swimmer, she, she swam all the way out and drug her back. She had experienced a drift and it scared her to death. And I think that for me, one of the things that I always want to do as a pastor is come back over and over again and say, who are we? What are we doing? And, and, and to thwart this kind of thing that occurs, namely mission drift. In this parable that we're going to see today, which I, you know, we call the parable of the sower or the parable of the soils. I'm going to call it the gospel seed in good soil because I think ultimately what it does, it teaches us about the nature of Jesus' ministry. What he did, what he came to do, and how he kept laser focused on that thing and how we as followers of Jesus, as apprentices of Jesus, as those who have inherited his ministry, it instructs us about what we're to do so that we don't drift out into foreign waters and into places where we don't need to be. And it's a vivid parable which Jesus gives here. And he taught to the crowds. In fact, Jesus was out on a boat. He had put out in a little boat to get away from the shore 
when he taught this parable to the people. And his disciples later would come and ask him to interpret it. And so we're going to look at that. This parable, I think it teaches us about the kingdom of God, about how people come into the kingdom of God, that is, how people are saved. And it also tells us this. Why are there so many different responses to the gospel of Jesus and to the invitation to come in to the kingdom? This parable speaks to those things. And it speaks to us about the work of the church in this age and in every age, namely sharing the message of the kingdom. So let's read Matthew 13 verses 3 through 8 to begin with. This is the parable that he told from that boat. It says, And he spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, the sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seeds fell along uh, beside the road, and the birds came and ate them up. Others fell on the rocky places where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up because they had no depth of soil. But when the sun had risen, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. Others fell among the thorns, and the thorns came up and choked them out. And others fell on the good soil and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. And then Jesus says this odd saying, because most of us have ears, pretty much everybody. He who has ears, let him hear. So let's consider the parts and the pieces of this parable of the sower and of the soils. There are pre three primary things that we'll look at in this parable. There is the sower, there are the seeds, and there are the different seeded places or soils upon which the seed fell. Consider the sower. I'll give you three guesses. What was the sower going out to do? He went out to sow. Imagine that. He's a farmer. He's going out to cast his seed. Okay, he's broadcast seeding. Picture this Middle Eastern ancient farmer, maybe with some sort of goat skin pouch or I don't know if they had man purses back then, but you know, farmer man purse thing, pouch full of seed and he's going out. They didn't have grain drills. They didn't have all of that fancy equipment. He has his pouch full of seed and he's going out to sow his seed. He's casting it out. You know, you're not going to catch any fish if you don't put the boat and the line or the net out into the water and the farmer if they don't put out their seeds they're not going to reap a harvest so the farmer must sow the crop seed so the sower goes out to sow and then there are the seeds one kind of seed one kind of seed one one crop that is the desired crop That's the thing that's going to come up and it's the thing that over time eventually is going to be gathered in for a harvest. So there is the seed for the crop that is desired. But really, it seems like the pivotal parts, the variables, if you will, in the story are the seeded places or we would say the soils. And there are four that Jesus gives in the parable. First of all, beside the path or we might say the roadside. Now, we got some guys here that work for the highway department and had some ladies. And and in Arkansas today, you know, when you think about sowing along the roadside, I think that we think about beside the road, what is there? There's all this lush vegetation. I mean, and some of these folks have to go out and bush hog that stuff and spray it down. I mean, stuff really grows good on the Arkansas roadsides. But but think about these old dusty paths that people would travel by foot. 
with their donkeys, with their beasts of burden. Sometimes they'd be in a great big community and they would go down this path and there was a, you know, a well-worn path. But, but you know if you've ever gone through the woods or someplace like that, the path, is, it's not really delineated real well. It's not like a highway. I mean, there's pavement and then there's not. All right, you think about, here's this road, but beside the road, there are all these little paths and it just sort of fades away, if you will. And so there is the roadside where many ancient travelers would be walking and the kids would veer off and the donkeys would veer off and probably not the best place to put a crop, to grow a garden. It would be compacted, it would be barren, and it would be subject to being trampled underfoot. He says, so the, the sower is even sowing there, right? up next to the road. Kind of, kind of like they do over in the Delta. You know, in crop country, they take out the fences and they put that crop as far out right up to the edges as they can. Well, that's a good farmer here. He's doing that same kind of thing. But when that seed hits there on the roadside, on that path, if there's really there's nothing, it's just bare ground. And guess what? There's, there's, there's birds hanging out there. Birds hanging out for a kid who doesn't want to eat the crust on his peanut butter sandwich and he throws it by and that bird wants to be the first one to swoop down and get it. Well, there's birds here by the path and it's the farmer, the sower sows his seed. The birds swoop in and they came and no quicker almost maybe than the seed hit the ground, the birds came and ate up, gobbled up the seed. So there is the roadside, there is beside the path. Then there's the rocky place. Here's the second kind of place. It's a rocky place. This is Searcy County. This is where I live. This is Newton County. Maybe a little bit of Boone County. It's an old rocky place. And it says about the rocky place, it didn't have much soil. Didn't have much soil. And so, you know, we would think, well, it's just a big rock pit. There's not much soil. Nothing's going to grow there. But surprisingly, actually, when the sower sows his seed there at the rocky place, it springs up really quickly. That surprises us a little bit. I mean, it springs up. You know, the thing about an old rocky place, the sun gathers in. It's a nice little warm seed bed that seeds like to germinate. Oh, and there's a crevice. There's a little place between the rocks for the seed to fall and to come up. But here's the thing. Why wasn't something else growing there? Because there's no soil. So things over and over in the rocky places, different things would come up, but they just didn't last long. And so it is with this crop. The little seed goes in, but it springs up very quickly. And you think, oh man, success. I, maybe I can make a living in Searcy County, you know, with, with my old Rocky deal. And it comes up, but it says, then quickly the sun comes out. And it scorches the little plants because there are no roots. Everything is top growth. There's nothing below. And it scorches the plant and it dies. And it starts over and over again. And that's what happens on the rocky place. Then there's the thorny place. This is the old briar patch. You know, I, and I don't know why. If I'm the farmer, I'm not going to venture off into that old mess. But here's that guy. He's scattering his seed everywhere. And he goes to the thorn patch. You know, maybe it was early in the season and the thorns weren't up yet. I don't know why he put his seed out there. But he did. And it emerged. The plants came up. Seemed like it was doing good. It's actually probably pretty good type soil there but the thing is it's infested 
with thorns and the thorns quickly come up. And if you know anything about briars and brambles and blackberries, I think about things like that or green briars. I mean, they just come in and they just get to be a tangled mess and they choke out everything else. That's the way they make their living. And that's what happened here as he puts his seed there. The plants come up, but the thorns come in and choke it all out and smother the good crop. But so that's the third place. That's the third seeded place. And the fourth is this is what he's after. This is the good soil. There is the good place. This is where the crop is going to be harvested from. You know, good soils, there are all kinds of good is a relative term. Again, I would say in Searcy County, what they call good soil, it's probably going to be not good soil where I grew up over in the Arkansas River Valley, but it's a little bit of a relative term. But good soil is a place that you can grow a crop and you can get a harvest. And so the good soil, he puts some seed there. And what happens? And it comes up. It's not smothered out. doesn't die out when the sun comes up. And it yields a harvest. And he says some of it, a hundredfold. Got back a hundredfold return. Some produced a 60-fold return and some 30-fold. I got I got to thinking about this, I thought, how much return should you expect? What, what constitutes a good soil? So I just started thinking about growing corn. So I, you know, again, I, I, I asked my Google assistant this. How many, how many kernels of corn are on an ear of corn? Anybody want to take a guess? Holler out a number. Huh? How many, how many kernels are on an ear of corn, average ear of corn? 330. 330. Can, I, can I get four? Four, and four, four, four. <laughs> 800! You put, so, so think about this. Put one corn kernel in the ground, get a stalk. Now, some corn only going to produce one ear, some, I, I like two. You, you can think about putting one kernel of corn and getting theoretically 1,600 kernels back. That's a good return. He didn't talk about that, so I thought, man, they must not have had corn back then. In fact, I know they didn't. Uh, sometimes the Bible talks about corn. It's just talking about a grain or a kernel. Wheat is what you would probably expect. Sometimes uh, ancient Middle East, they call corn. It's wheat. It's a kernel of grain. So I looked up, Google Assistant, hey, tell me how many kernels of wheat on a wheat plant. Now let's take a guess there. What do you, want, what do you guess? You got 50. Can I get can, 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 75? Hey, no, 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 110 with modern varieties. That's 110 kernels of wheat from one. So that's getting really close to what Jesus said. You know, on the really good ground, you got about 100 times increase in productivity. Man, that's great. Isn't farming good? It's a good deal. It's a good investment on good ground. So here you go, the interpretation of the parable. Now there's some intervening talk, and I don't have time to go there. It's actually um, interesting to think about what is said in the next few verses in light of the interpretation that we're going to read, but I'm going to leave that to you. The interpretation of the parable. So the disciples come to Jesus and said, man, that was a fascinating talk you gave out on that boat, but none of us have a clue what you were talking about. Could you, could you fill us in? And in fact, it's, you know, Jesus didn't hang his head down and go, oh man, I must not be a very good teacher. In fact, in those intervening verses, he says, there's a reason why, why I tell things in parables. Might shock you a little bit to hear what he says, but he says, I'm going to go ahead and tell you the interpretation of this parable. Parables are a little bit cryptic. You know, without the interpretation, you, you could make a lot of different things of it. And even with Jesus giving us the interpretation, I would tell you there are still many ways that people 
try to apply this and we're going to do our best to try to do the same also but let's get the interpretation of this parable let's read verses 18 through 23 in that same chapter so then he says here then the parable of the sower when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it the evil one comes and snatches away what's been sown in his heart this is the one on whom seed was sown beside the road the one on whom seed was sown on the rocky places, this is the man who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no firm root in himself, but is only temporary. And when affliction or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he falls away. And the one on whom the seed was sown among the thorns, this is the man who hears the word, and the worry of the world and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. And the one on whom seed was sown on the good soil. This is the man who hears the word and understands it. Who indeed bears fruit and brings forth some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. And so Jesus tells us, what is that seed? You know, the sower is going out to sow seed. And he says, what is the seed? Jesus says, the seed is the message or the word of the kingdom. Think about that. It's not, it's not just any word. This says, it's, it's the message or the word of the kingdom. If you flip back, and so a good thing to do is you're trying to interpret the Bible. You're reading the Gospels. Yes, you want to know what it all says. But, but within one writer, for instance, in Matthew, you could look back and say, well, where else has Matthew talked about the message of the kingdom or the word or what Jesus was preaching? You could flip back, for instance, to Matthew 4, verse 23. And it says this, at the outset of Jesus' ministry, he was going throughout Galilee, all of Galilee, and to their synagogues, and he was preaching the gospel. Or good news, hey listen to this, the gospel or good news of the kingdom of God. The message of the kingdom was the message that Jesus preached, which we in shorthand might say it's the, it's the gospel. It's the good news that the kingdom of God has come and been opened up to us through Jesus and so I think it's safe that we would equate the seed that Jesus is talking about the sower sowing is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Not just the Bible, not just the word. It's the word, the message of the gospel of the kingdom of God. So there is that seed. And then the sower, who is the sower? Well, I think primarily it's Jesus. One of the questions that this parable is answering or one of the issues is, man, when Jesus is going out preaching to the crowds and in the synagogues and throughout all Galilee, there is this really wide array of responses. Like you can have, you can have 10 people right here and Jesus is inviting people to have their sins forgiven, to be made whole, to be made right with God. And you've got a couple of them asleep. You've got a couple of them just wondering when lunch is coming and you've got some who are falling down on their knees and praising that wonderful name because he is saved. And he's willing, God is willing to save. And then you got some that follow along until it gets hard. And then they're like, nah, didn't sign up for this, I'm out. And then you got some that are going to follow him all the way through the rest of their lives. Oh, sure, there'll be highs and lows. There'll be difficulties, but they'll follow. And you wonder, man, what's the difference? What's the difference in all of those varied responses? Well, you know what? 
Maybe Jesus just didn't connect. Maybe he just didn't tell the message exactly right for that guy. Here's the thing about this parable. There's only one seed, one kind of seed. And it's all good. When I planted my garden this year, and, and I know many of you did the same thing, I had to replant some stuff like three and four times. At one point, when the okra was giving me fits, I, I go, I, I'm going to have to go buy a new okra seed because I think my seed is bad. And so I did that, and it did come up. Maybe that's the case, but that's not the case here. It's one seed. The variable is the people, the, the hearts of the people that hear. You know, we're really quick to want to poke holes in the gospel and think, or, or the preacher or the one that's giving it, and we think, well, they, you know, they're just not a very good preacher. They're just, the Holy Spirit of God's just not upon them or whatever. In this parable, the seed, it's the same message. The difference is the hearts of the people that hear it. I think the sower is primarily Jesus. And I think it, for us who come after him, then we're supposed to see that as we share the message of the gospel, we're going to encounter the same kinds of things that Jesus encountered. Let's think about these seeded places. Because Jesus says these four seeded places or soils are representative of people. This, this is individual people and the way they respond to the message of the gospel. So remember the roadside? What happened on the roadside? That old, that old dry barren ground? This, the birds came and gobbled up the seed. And Jesus, in his interpretation, said this is the person who just... The, 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 the seed of the gospel is sown, but they just don't understand it. it. It never takes hold at all. And one reason is because... He says there's an evil one who, like the bird, comes in and swoops up and gobbles up the seed. That's interesting. And as we think about our ministry as Christians following in the path of Jesus, sowing the seed of the gospel, we must never forget that it is a spiritual battle that we're fighting. We don't fight against flesh and blood. You know, people aren't stupid if they don't get the gospel or don't respond we shouldn't just write them off as, well, they're just too dense or too superficial or whatever. One of the things we ought to understand is that there is an evil one who comes in and snatches away. And even as I'm prepared to, to uh, have this message today and the things that we're doing for the weeks to come, talking with John about, you know, ki kids going to church camp, youth, young people going to church camp where the gospel is going out, you can be assured that the evil one is at work and he hates the gospel going out. Jesus said that, in fact, is a reality. Just like those birds swoop in and gobble it up, the evil one wants to prevent the spread and the understanding and the hearing of the gospel. There are spiritual dynamics at work when the gospel goes out that we must be attendant to. All right? So, so Jesus says they're on the roadside. And the evil one is at work. And I don't really know what else to say about that other than to say we just need to be aware of the spiritual realities behind sharing the gospel with people and about people being saved. One of the things I'm trying to really do better in my own life uh, in this season is consistently praying for people who I want to see come to know the Lord. Regularly, consistently praying for the lost because I know there is a spiritual warfare at play. So that's the roadside. Remember the rocky place? The rocky soil. Jesus says, this is the man who receives the gospel message with joy. Just like the little seed. Man, it just sprang up in this little happy place. All of a sudden, well, there are people 
that will receive the gospel with joy. Here's the deal. If you, I think if we tell it right, the gospel is really good news. It's a, it's a good thing. Man, I can be forgiven right with God, become a son or a daughter of God, have eternal life, go to heaven, <coughs> have eternal joy. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good deal. And so a lot of people will say, yeah, yeah, I want that. But maybe there's no reality in the heart. You see, the Bible says this. If we repent of our sins, we're turning towards Christ. But it says if we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we shall be saved. The reality is that we can only be privy to the confession of the mouth. We don't really know what's going on. In terms of belief of the heart. We, we just can't see that. And you know Jesus says there will be these times. When people do receive the gospel with joy. They sign up. They're all in outwardly. But inwardly the part that we don't know is. There is no true root. There's nothing going on really in the heart. It's all with the mouth. And, um, and so Jesus says then. Just like in that rocky place. When the sun came out and there's no root. The little plant. Scorched dies so there will be people who said they were in but when he says affliction or persecution comes when it gets difficult when there are people that stand against them when they see it's not culturally cool or acceptable when they see the Christian way is actually a hard way at times that puts us at odds with our friends with culture even with members of our family they go I'm not I'm not in on that and, and, and it says they, they just, they fall away. They go away, they wither away. That's what Jesus says. He said that is a, per, that is a real response that people give. Now that may not fit our theology real, real nicely. But if it's Jesus's, he said that's a reality. And I was thinking about that and I remember being at church on a Sunday night. And uh, they were bringing the uh, trustees, that is the, the, the prisoners from the local jail that, you know, had shown some trustworthiness you know maybe they're in for minor crimes I don't know but they were bringing the trustees and they came early and I remember this young man and he made a beeline for me before the service ever started and I could tell something was going on with him and he just began to ask me some spiritual questions I said let's go outside man and we just went out here and I presented the gospel to him and I'm telling you I mean there was there was uh, tears and there was this what looked like to me a very genuine response to the gospel I thought, man, praise God for that. And uh, uh, it was not maybe, mm, I don't know if it was a year later, I was standing there at Harps, probably getting a donut or something, and I see the paper, and there's that guy's picture on trial for murder. He had gotten out from the little local jail, and he had gone and killed somebody, and he was on trial for murder. And I look at that, and I go, oh, how do I make sense of that? That really doesn't fit my idea of someone coming to Jesus and becoming a saint. And uh, you, you got to do something with that. And, and maybe right here is what I would say. I think there was that receiving that with joy. You think about an incarcerated man who, who had been raised in a very difficult situation. And I'd had some contact with him afterwards a little bit. And, uh, um, uh, you know, I knew he just had no, no basis, no teaching or anything like that. I thought, what, what went wrong? 
what went wrong. And, and I think probably there was that, man, the love of thinking about being free in Christ and being forgiven of transgressions. And he received it with joy, but it did not seem to impact his heart very much. Now, you're going to say, well, we can't judge that. You're right, but Jesus can. And I at least want to have a category, and I want to be very careful to say, I think there are, we can't inspect the heart. But what we can do is look and see what happens when the gospel comes to a life. Some people just flat out reject it. No, I ain't got time for that. I don't want to hear about that. Whatever, maybe that's the evil one swooping the seed out. But we're going to have people that accept it. But then it doesn't last long. So you've got to do something with that. And here's what I do with that. I just say, I don't know your heart. But Jesus says, sometimes there's just no root with folks. So, we've got to have a category for that. Then there is the thorny place. Remember that? Seed went out, infested, smothered out by the thorns. And here's what Jesus says. So that's the man, that is the person who hears the gospel, receives the gospel, seems to be growing in the gospel. Things are looking about right. But then there are these thorns. What are the thorns? Jesus says that is the worries or cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches. The other one fell away when affliction, hard things, persecution came. This one has the gospel choked out of their life, not by seemingly bad things, but actually by what the world would say are good things, maybe. Riches. Pursuing that. Maybe it's a greedy heart, whatever. But he also says the cares of the world, and that's a fairly broad category. That could, that could just be an overly busy with too many things. Well, think about that. Think about how many people you know that have been walking with the Lord seemingly, but then just quote-unquote life gets in the way. And before you know it, they're nowhere to be found in amongst the people of Christ. And I think about that, and I think Jesus in this parable is saying, be careful how you listen. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. That, that to me, is, is ultimately like, where does Jesus punch at? with this thing. He's punching at individuals and saying, be careful how you listen. Because you are one of four soils. Your heart is a grounds where Jesus has sown the gospel. This life-giving message. And he says, if you got ears to hear it, hear it. Be, be, be careful with what you do with this message. Because it is the message that brings life. And produces life. So, so we need to think about that. So let's try to apply the parable real quickly as I wrap it up. I, I just got four little words. If you're taking notes or just want some little handles to kind of hang on so you don't fall asleep here right at the end. Here you go. Four words of application. The first is awareness. Awareness. As I think about, okay, let's, let's, let's drive this thing home. For us right here, 21st Century Valley Springs, Arkansas, First Baptist Church, awareness. I want you to have an awareness that the gospel is not flawed. It's not bad seed. It is life-giving. The Bible says that the gospel of Jesus Christ is the power of God unto salvation. That message has been changing people's lives for thousands of years. 
And I guarantee you, you can look around right now and you're going to see people, you're going to lay eyes on people whose lives have been totally, radically transformed by a simple good news message. Oh, the wonderful name of Jesus has marked me and changed me and become my identity. The gospel is not flawed. It's not bad seed. It's good seed. So, so, so let me give you an awareness. Let, let's be confident in the gospel. Secondly, here's your other word, encouragement. Encouragement for abundant seed sowing. I love that, that the sower, you know what the sower went out to do? What was it? The sower went out to sow. And man, he was just, as they say, he was shucking the corn. He was casting seed abroad here and there. He didn't worry a whole lot about, mm, well, maybe I should do a soil test and a compaction test. Nope. Let's put out some seed. Put out some seed. Oh, it could be the thorns. I don't care. Put out some seed. Sometimes I think that as Christians, and I'm going to point the fingers right at me. Maybe sometimes I want to do, you know, a little uh, undercover research and well, I wonder if that person's going to be open to the gospel. Oh, 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 could that be a thorny person? I'm not even going to waste my seed on that. Nope. Abundant seed sowing. We need encouragement to be abundant gospel seed sowers. Not a bunch of undercover Christians hoarding up the seed in our refrigerators. That's what I do. I keep mine in the refrigerator. Good tip for you, by the way. Uh, put that stuff out. You know what I, again, I noticed... I never grow a good crop when I keep the seed in the fridge 365 days a year. But if I get some of that stuff out and put it in the ground, bang. It's not foolproof. Sometimes I have to replant all of that. We need to be encouraged to sow some seed. Not trying to, not trying to figure out. There's a crazy, well, I don't want to go in that. I'm out of time. Okay, awareness, encouragement, expectation. Here's the other one. Here's the other word for application. Expectation. And here's what I mean. Expect when the gospel goes out, something happens. Uh, but not always a saving response. We've seen that there are at least four types of soils and responses. Outright rejection. When you share the gospel, there's going to be some people just outright. That's stupid. That makes no sense. I don't want to hear that. They're going to shut you down. Expect it. There are going to be those who, hey, that sounds pretty good, man. Maybe I need to hear a little bit more about that. And, and, and they're going to accept it. But then maybe after a while, meh, I don't know about that. And there's going to be those that, I mean, they're walking with us for a long time. And, and the cares of the world stun it out. You're going to see that. And then you're going to see the gospel take hold in someone's life. And you're going to see radical transformations of people. And they're never the same again. Hey, there have been countless prisoners and people in jail that come to know Christ. I, I could take you to one, to a guy who in incarceration and in his, his lowest point with drunkenness and drug addiction, who God radically changed him through the gospel. And this man is like, he's like an angel in a cowboy hat and beard. This dude, the, fa I, the first time we ever met this guy, here's what my wife said. There is something about that guy that is different. And uh, I went and met him. I'm like, you're right. It's like the glory of the Lord working through this guy. He was radically transformed. And so expect that as well. So expectation of different responses. 
That's one of the key points of this message. And then here you go, lastly, and I've already touched on this, examination. Before we leave, could I just ask you this? As I say again, and and I want to say this in some way every week, because this is the seed that I've been given to sow. sow. It's the seed that Jesus sowed in every place. Don't you need to have your sins forgiven? Have you come to the point where you understand that your sins have separated you from God? And you need to claim that. You need to own it. You need to lay it down and realize that there is this amazing message that Jesus came and he actually took the penalty. He died for your sins on the cross so that you could be acquitted and set free. And he offers you a place at his table, eternal life. Would you examine your own heart today for your response to that message? Some of you, if you're here today and you've never, like you've just never given that a thought, let that seed take hold. Come to Christ. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ in your heart. And then you need to confess him as Lord publicly. So do that. Hey, how about someone else here? You say, you know, there was an hour I first believed. But the truth is I've not nourished the spiritual roots in my heart. Truth is, I've been afraid. The truth is, I haven't wanted to come out with that publicly and and tell people that I'm a Christian. Maybe you're here today and the gospel took hold at one point in your life, but really, between Sundays, it really doesn't do anything. You don't think about it. It doesn't seem to impact you at all. And is, Is there a thorn? Is there a something in the world and some pursuit that has now choked out the life of Christ in you. And I think Jesus would say to all of us, wherever we are, be careful how you listen. Be careful how you listen. He's holding out the gospel seed to place it in your heart and to do something amazing. And then for us who are prone to mission drift, like Granny out on the lake, we got a little far out. I think this parable is just a great visual, memorable way of saying, you know, God wants to do something in your life. He wants to reproduce the seed of the gospel in you and in me. He wants that seed to grow and to nurture and to bloom and to set more seed. He wants us to share the life-changing message of Jesus. You know, that's what it's about. Bearing fruit. You are saved in part to help others become saved. There's probably not a more fearful word in the Christian vernacular than evangelism. Did you know it? Or when I start talking about sharing the gospel, for me too, it's pretty easy up here, but what about at the coffee shop? What about in your workplace? It's pretty tough. In the next few weeks, I'm going to be going with a small group through some uh, teaching and some training about these kind of things. But I'm also, in our Sunday morning messages, going to be sharing the basics of the gospel and how we can become equipped to just have, listen to this, 
We're not trying to equip anyone to becoming big-haired, flaming evangelists who go out and, 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 and fill stadiums, though there might be some of those here. In the next few weeks, I just want to share an, a simple conversational set of tools to just have gospel conversations with people so that we all can become a people who bear fruit and just, man, sow some seed. Sow some seed. Shed it abroad. There's people that need to hear this message. And they don't all show up here on Sunday morning, do they? Do they? No, no. It's up to us, man. God wants to bear fruit in our lives. And, and if all of this talk strikes fear in your heart, hey, you're not alone. But I do want to do my part to help equip us to just have gospel seed sowing conversations. So we'll be doing some things along those lines for the next three weeks. Would you bow with me today? We're going to have just a brief time of, of response time. And you can respond right there in your pew. You don't have to stand up or come up or do anything. You can, but if you want to, you can. If you need to confess Jesus as Lord, set aside your fear today. Jump all in. Come on up. Let me pray with you. Let me counsel with you a minute. Let me introduce the congregation to you. Make your, make your profession of faith public. Whatever you need to do. Maybe you just need to clear some ground in your heart. Clear some space to re- Envision what God wants to do through you. I'll tell you, every one of you, if you are a follower of Christ, you are gifted and you are called to a ministry of fruit bearing. Doesn't mean becoming a preacher. That means doing good kingdom work in the highways and byways of your life, in your workplace, in your family, in your house, on your social media accounts. Sharing the seed of the good news of Jesus. As you've got your heads bowed, would you, would you just tell the Lord, if, if this is your heart, don't let, don't let me put words in your mouth. But if your heart is to live for the Lord, to experience the joy and the things that He has for you, would you just tell Him to work in your heart, to clear the space, to identify the thorns, to root out the rocks, and commit yourself over the next few weeks to becoming a soil where the gospel grows and becoming a sower of the gospel seed. Father, today as one who is tasked with leading, God, I just want to acknowledge and confess right here in front of everyone but most of all before you, that over and over I fail at this. I don't share when I should. I don't even think about it when I should be thinking about it. I pray that you'd help me. Help me to be faithful to practice what I preach. And help us all to encourage one another. Help us to grow in bearing fruit. Because it's a hungry world out there. It's a barren place that needs the gospel. Help us to remember and to come back 
to the first things, our first love. In Jesus' name, amen.